talk about maybe the, the most shocking sports story i can remember um we'll we'll touch on a little nba finals in the back half um but a couple aspiring golf guys i think we we both consider ourselves i don't hit it all that good but i freaking love sitting down on sunday of a major been a huge golf guy for like five ten years now and uh this is pretty fucking crazy what what was your takeaway from from all the live pga stuff and uh like how it was reported What's going on? There's a million directions we can go, and let's be real, we don't really know shit. But uh, yeah, we're <laughs> we're here. Let's 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 offer some opinions. Let's opine for for a few minutes. Well, what I do know is I suck at golf. I love it, but I absolutely <laughs> stink. I try and I try and get better, but it's one of those of like you never have enough time to really practice if you haven't been playing since you were a kid and playing a lot of team sports growing up. This one just hasn't come to me. Um, but I still have a blast out there and I have my moments that keep you coming back, but that's the only thing I really, really know about golf is I, I am just no good at it. But with that out of the way, disclaimer, um, I've also been into more into golf late bloomer with it in terms of following it. Like I always watch the majors and such, but like becoming an avid fan since probably end of college or so. Um, this is probably the biggest sports story. I mean, Depends how you look at it, but maybe of our probably of our lifetime, just because of like altering the landscape of an entire sport that we care about. Um, pretty shocking how it went down, how suddenly, um, how no one knew about it in this day and age. It's pretty insane, you know, with all the social media, how they kept it close to the vest. I think negotiations were going on for two months or something between literally like five guys. Um, so I'm almost impressed that they were able to do it like that. Um with that being said, it's definitely a lot to break down through the the rubble, so to speak. Um, I, I mean, we can get into like the legal side of it a little bit. We don't, we're not lawyers here, you know, as much as we'd like to think we are, or doctors, or whatever. Um, I'm armchair psychologists. Yeah, I mean, I was like just trying to like absorb as much as I could and hear from a lot of different people that know a lot more about it and, and can kind of break it down to me as if I'm five years old. Um, I think like a good starting point is like a is this good for the game like if this goes through assuming it does is it good for the game what does the landscape look like was this like a necessary outcome did they handle it right that kind of thing like the breakdown of it like going through because i don't like we don't really know how it actually happened the negotiations behind the scenes but we can kind of sift through where it is now um or at least like the initial reaction so i guess like what I've gathered is that this was going to happen at some point, no matter what. Um, the live was more or less um, created for like a short term. It, it was never going to be a long term thing, it, no matter how much they dressed it up. You know, this, the Saudis or the Phil and the other mouthpieces for it, no matter what they said, it was not to grow the game or whatever. Is really, I mean, maybe for the players it was, but it really for the players was to get money, get a huge payday. Great for them. Don't blame them. I would do the same. Um, on the flip side for the Saudis, it's a way to get in with like Western hemisphere businessmen. They know they like golf. They, Saudis, I don't think really care much about golf. Um, they definitely didn't care about the live entity itself. It was just like their mechanism to get in. So a tool for them too. Um, and so this is what they wanted to get involved in American sports, get more, you know, sports washing, as they say, they're doing it in soccer with like 
you know, forget about 9-11, forget about our atrocities against women and stuff. Like, we we like sports too kind of thing. Um, so it really was just a tool or a mechanism for that, and it was never going to last. It was just a matter of who caved first in the staring contest. I think what shocked me is that the PGA caved so quickly and so suddenly. And it was one of those things where I thought it would at least drag out for a couple of years. And it makes me wonder... Well, what happened there? I mean, obviously, Monaghan, who we can get into, it seems like he was chasing a bag for himself. Um, but it also seems like maybe the, you know, I'm guessing that the PGA maybe didn't have as much money as we thought. You know, they weren't prepared for, as you had talked about off the line, COVID happening and having to go into their reserves for that. Um, the fact that they had to up their payouts and prize money, you know, to match like, you know, to keep their PGA stars around. Um, again, I think he was, you know, handing out crumpled up IOUs uh, out of his pocket at the memorial. Like, so I think it was starting to get pretty bad or worse than we thought. And then on top of it, the legal ramifications, the Liv had that huge lawsuit, antitrust lawsuit, whether they were going to win it or not, I have no idea, but it sounds like it was going to last like up to a decade if they really wanted to. Um, and so I think, you know, they have just so much more money than the PGA, even if PGA is the tradition, the name. So it sounds like the PGA was worried about the lawsuit draining their money. If not, they were already low on funds. Slash, maybe they saw an opening to take and it's like this is our chance to to get our good players back and to you know to get rid of our so called biggest competition. Um, but overall, I guess you know my basic understanding is that the live's going to fold if this does go through. It's going to be the PGA with Saudi backed money, and we're going to see some kind of like convergence of both sides into like a unique maybe some unique formats still with the you know escalated or elevated events um but i, I kind of want to turn it back to you because i don't know if i'm missing anything with this breakdown um i'm still you know my head's buzzing about all of it but is there something you wanted to add about just kind of the basic synopsis of it i don't think so on, on the synopsis side uh, it's it's really hard to wrap our heads around like yeah, why did it happen so quickly? But like you said, and I think this has been everyone's opinion, is like you take a step back and you're like, well, I guess this kind of had to happen. If you're the Saudis and you're willing to sink as much money as God into a sports league, whether you're just paying every player way more and pulling them away like they did you know, in the last 12 to 18 months, or whether you're just paying $50 million in legal fees and forcing like, the PGA to be bled dry, they had a pretty good way to just grab the PGA by the balls, basically. And everybody kind of thought there was a little more runway to it. Uh, but but I guess, like, the, the more we think, like, the, the more time that passes since this happens, I think everyone's like, yeah, I guess it was a little bit inevitable. And every, it's just everyone is left thinking, like, well, that sucks. Like, we all kind of rallied around the fact that, like, this is America and we're not going to take blood money. Like, the EPL has been overrun by not overrun, but there's this crazy pie chart. If you look at the uh, total net worth of all Premier League owners, 75% is the Saudis' oil money uh, in, in their ownership stake in Newcastle. Like, the, there was like, maybe just this total farce of like Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and all these good guys are like fighting for human rights. And it's like, no, no, the, the dude that's like in charge of getting them paid is like, ah, no, they, they got us by the balls. We got to take the money, guys. Um, and it's just like a weird way for it all to end. And I, I love Rory. His comments, I think, are pretty like sobering, but realistic when he says like, I still hate live. I hope it goes away. And 
it also is probably a good thing for the tour in the long run in terms of like a pure like if your job is to run the tour and make sure it exists and is thriving in 10 years like this is a good deal it just so happens it's you know coming from a complicated place and the the bigger the scale you get in the business world the harder it is to find money that has no sort of you know bad stains on it i, I think everyone's been repeating that sort of topic that like hey man like the nba like, like nobody's perfect um although yeah. I, I do not i'm not trying to invoke bryson with what he did on i don't even know a news channel that was but that, that poor guy needs some pr training um Just but it's, it's yeah keep him out of the camera yeah <laughs> yeah it's he likes it too much he's a budding youtube star man i know he's following in the foots of dude perfect yeah um but it's just a mess and i i don't even know where to go from here i think one thing that the golf twitter and the entire sports world can agree on is that jay monahan is a total fucking idiot uh and he's probably a rich idiot and i i use the word idiot you know maybe not literally but like what a fucking coward and to just not even like you couldn't in the 20 minutes before you go on MSNBC or whatever, you couldn't just call up like Rory Rom and be like, hey, can you let the guys know we got this? Like at least try to, to, to do it in a likable way. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I think he's replacing Goodell as like the new, at least in our country, the like the new most hated sports villain of like a higher up commissioner type figure like around the globe it's probably set bladder from what was he running fifa for all those years it almost has a yeah. little bit of that feel to it but it really just feels like a snake in the grass um two-faced caving you know zigzag uh that is wildly unpopular from like just a morality standpoint and from just like the general temperature of the audience like everyone is like as a golf fan's probably pretty upset about it about the way it went about and the decision that was made after again all your like the hoorah and american patriotism and anti-saudi stuff um and loyalty to the pga tour and tradition of golf no matter which angle you took on it it was like everyone was rallying behind that and he kind of threw all he spit in our faces and threw it all all of that out the window and was like i'm doing this by myself without consulting any of my stars um it, it's almost it, i mean he was already hated so like that's another thing i wanted to back up real quick on the the live the fact that they got so many golfers i know they threw an exorbitant amounts of money and money always talks the fact they got that many golfers and the pj was clearly worried about them from the start shows that like the pj really was faulty organization to or at least outdated archaic corrupts maybe not the right word but inefficient and not properly treating their stars like other leagues do and their product uh, I like their TV broadcasting rights has been her and coverage has been awful for years. Like you can never find the morning rounds on Thursday or Friday on TV. It's ridiculous. You know, all the way up to like having their, their players be uh, independent contractors, but then like, you know, you have to be on a tour for a certain amount of time to get the pension, but like then they can't play anywhere else because they're owned by the PJ, but they're not even full-time employees and have a full-time salary. There's all these different things that go into it. And then the prize money on top of it, you know, they all felt pretty slighted from it. There were things that Phil had talked about with the PJ even long before live where he's not wrong about, and it's been exposed at the PGA. The live movement did show a lot about the PGA and a lot of it starts with Jay Monahan and ends with Jay Monahan himself. I know he can't control everything, but it's a nonprofit organization supposed to be run by the players. And this buffoon Monahan at the top 
has been like again this is before well, long before live there's been talks of like a competitive a, a competitor run by private equity US based people which would have been more palatable rather than by the Saudis but there's been like rumblings for like, over a decade of like private equity run super league forming to compete with the PGA cuz there's been existing problems for so long and Monahan's just kind of sat on his throne rest you know sat back and like been like ah nothing's going to happen um I don't need to do anything it's such an old school traditional organization and he did nothing to like update it with the times or and, and it just he oods exudes like a ton of incompetence corruption again is not maybe the right word but he's just a t- babbling buffoon that doesn't really have any like vindication or um yeah, any guts to like stand on or, or like just any consistency whatsoever so he's just been like a incompetent for so long and it just came to bubbling head and he clearly was in over his head for all of this um and whether this deal long term like again not doomsday look taking a step back i think long term it will be a good move for like a necessary evil move for golf you know to get all the players united again under one product all this you know back into elevated tournaments i think there's gonna be some good from it saudi money aside but the way he went about it again to not like he has rory graded around and rom to lesser extent and scheffler and morikawa and these guys for a year like putting their necks on the line for um to to back a pga tour and and you know traditional golf in the u.s and you know he they're for like a return he had his star employees go out and like speak highly of the company you know again independent contractors but like em- employees nonetheless that he had to prop that they that propped him up honestly did his job for him for a year and then he goes behind their back and does this whole deal without even letting them know even as you said even 15 minutes beforehand it's in it's like unfathomable that this guy um has lasted this long in this position and then goes through all like makes so many wrong turns in handling this to the very end even if it's a deal that works out in the long run how he went about it is just so despicable and it's like it just showed that he was just not ready for this kind of job or and was completely a chicken with his head cut off yeah you you touched on a lot there. Uh, yeah. One thing off the top, uh, calling this whole deal um, unnecessary evil feels feels pretty well said. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's necessary money that you know comes from. Uh, I'll I'll use air quotes, but an evil place. Um, yeah. Anyway, so how are all these commissioners like so unliked? When you would think being good at PR would be like a big part of the job, and I think people kind of get it now with Goodell where it's almost like the more unlikable he is the more of a, a shield so to speak yeah. that he is for the owners almost the, the better off they are because there's just less heat um if you want to go real galaxy brain with this you could say Jay knew that he had to take Saudi money he knew that he had just asked his play like he backed himself into a corner there's no doubt about that um and and had his players basically parading for something that he was now going to force upon them. And so at this stage, the best thing he could do for them, um, not that I think this was his thought process, but is to be the ultimate punching bag, to make it so aggressive, like just the media tenor around fuck Jay Monahan, um, that no one's sitting here like, wow, Rory's about to play for Saudi money. That's pretty pretty ironic, huh? Um, but I don't really believe that. I just... I <laughs> Yeah, I think he also could have done that and been the punching bag and absorbed the heat while also informing his guys behind closed doors like a month in advance, like, hey, this might be happening or whatever. I get like they didn't want it to leak whatsoever, but 
man, there's better ways to go about it, especially with how suddenly it came about. And like his extreme, like his 9-11 comments from like a year ago, first of all, don't like involve the 9-11 families. Like it, it was such a shameless, cheap ploy to like go after the rah-rah patriotism and anti-Saudi route. Like I get why he did it. Uh, or not maybe that specifically. But I get what like again they were trying to bash their new new like their upstart competitor. Like that was their whole thing, and like they played on like American nationalism there and stuff, and you know the Middle East like terrorism. I I get all of that, but to go with so extreme on those comments when like if you had any foresight, you might be like we might actually end up needing these guys in the long run. Like maybe there's a better way to go about it. Let's not involve the 9/11 families. Let's not get so pathos about it. And then like rope in my stars to like put their necks and reputations on the line with like, again, him and Rory and others, like they had such extreme anti live about the, not even about the Saudis, but anti live and anti players on the live, you know, like they had so many like, like not controversial, but antagonistic comments against those players and the, the organization itself. And it's like, dude, like there was a probably the fact that you went so over the top with it is just making it like such an egg in your face now. And it's like, people maybe wouldn't rag on you quite as much if you didn't take this such of the holier than thou stance when Jay Monahan is anything but holier than thou, but like he, their route was to play on like American patriotism and go holier than thou. Like we're not chasing the money. We're doing this for golf tradition. We're doing this for core American values. And it's like, they went so hard on that and then caved so quickly that it's so shameless and hypocritical. It's a, it's a total joke. And like Rory and all those guys are taking their marching orders from Monahan. Not I not literally. Um I should that, that's really not the right phrase, but like he he ultimately, for better or worse, was the head of the PGA tour. And when he says like, guys, we're gonna fight this, we're gonna increase the purses, right? Let's like band together. He gets all those guys together in the Delaware meeting, the top thirty players, um, all of whom stayed except for Wonky Neiman, I think. Um and like there, there's I think DJ had already left at that point. I think oh, this, um, yeah, this was like last, I don't know, October maybe. Um, where it, BMW at the, the second playoff event. Mm -hmm. uh, like what, when when all that happens and then your Jay Monahan's actions like totally just leave these guys out to dry, it's it's super shitty. Um, and they might all get paid, but like I don't think those feelings are, are going to be uh, like fine anytime soon. Let, let's zoom out for a sec though. Because I want to talk about Phil, um, and and let's play like a little hypothetical game here, where uh, let's say it's 2018, and a private equity firm comes to the PGA Tour and says, "Hey, I like your product, and you guys could be making more money, and you should be making more money." Um, whether that's revamping how the TV deals work and the TV product, or there's a, a multitude of ways, whether it's teams and franchise values and, and players owning equity in those teams. Um, the PGA Tour, for all the shit we're going to talk about, Jay Monahan, like his hands are tied to some degree with it being a nonprofit. You have to value each of the 250 tour card guys equally, I think, in theory. Um, so this new entity totally dismantles that notion. Now you can just fuck it, Rory. Uh, we we feel bad. Here's 50 million bucks. You could do that if you wanted to, but. Phil like really started to get on his high horse before Liv had truly formed and saying like, we're getting so screwed over. We could be making so much more money right around like the peak of the NFT craze too. And I, I think he's, he's definitely got some, uh, some characters in his ears and it's like, on the one hand, you're right, Phil, like it's a nonprofit and you're not making as much as you should. And James Hans making more than he should. 
that's been the deal forever. Um, you're still making a great living. And he's like, no, we could be making so much more. If a private equity firm that's like operating logically in a capital market comes to you and is like, let's figure this out, we would have landed somewhere reasonable. Uh, and I think a lot of Phil's crazy claims would have been you know, found out to be totally bogus. Like he was claiming there's like $20 billion of, of like digital assets that they were sitting on. Like he said some outlandish shit. Uh, Phil, I, we'll, we'll, we'll do time on Phil later. Yeah. But all that to say, the Saudis just like screw up all of the like reasonable approach, reasonable approaches to, to this whole deal. Like they're in a, all the Saudis care about is like, Saudi Arabia's role in the world like a hundred years from now and their money is not being deployed like rationally in, in the sense of like you know it's a market and everything's fair and we'll pay this for this business because like sure all that's guessing and, and predicting and betting at some level but like they're like no we are going to come in and pay like more than your tour is worth for like 25% of it just so we have a seat at the table and so Phil, for all of his parading, and I get it, and it feels like the general consensus is going to be, yeah, Phil was right. And sure, he was to a degree, but like, no, you're just the pawn that has some charisma that could get a bunch of other like greedy pawns together to be that first breakaway group. Like, we're all pawns here. The PJ Tour is a pawn in Saudi's broader political scheme, and the sport of golf is a pawn in, in their broader scheme. So, like, everyone's out here pointing fingers, calling you a pawn. You're like, <laughs> The whole thing is almost just a joke. Like the Saudis probably dreamt up this plan eight to ten years ago, and it was a five to ten year plan, and and here we are. Um, and maybe it was all kind of inevitable, but it's a fucking mess. And and all these guys, like they talk a lot, they got they got big egos, and they bruise easily. And the next couple of years, I, we were saying this over text, like it's going to be pretty entertaining off the course too. Because mm. there was a report today from a, an anonymous Liv official, uh, a, along with Greg Norman, like, no, Liv isn't going anywhere. But like, of course, that's what you would do if you're trying to like be adamant that no, no, like these are two tours that are kind of merging. We're just going to evaluate things a year from now. Like, of course, you would say current day, like, no, we're going to go forward with both of them. And then they'll quietly announce that it folds. Or this is all wishful thinking and like we're all coming at this with our prior biases and maybe live is going to exist because you know having events in other countries is is helpful i, I have no idea how it's going to play out um it seems like everyone's convinced live is ending and i i hope that's true and it makes sense business-wise that because i'm with you like i don't think they gave a shit about live it was just a tool to get a seat at the table um but i wonder how quickly they just admit that you know um and I'm also very curious, all right, here's billions of dollars um, and probably like a 10-year deal with Aramco. Um, like, <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of Saudi oil sponsors all around golf events for, for years to come. Like, What exact level of uh, access or control or power are the Saudis expecting to get through that? Like, It can't just be that all of a sudden they have like one of 11 board seats and they don't really have much power. And not that that's no power, but you know they're paying like they're overpaying like crazy i would assume that that's kind of what's been reported um they're probably expecting something so it, it's going to be a little dicey for a couple of years i think in terms of where we're playing golf and, and like, who's really calling the shots uh, that uh that whole pawn spiel was pretty deep man 
You take a, a toke on your joint before this. Like, <laughs> we're all pawns in this world, man. Sad. Sadly, that's just how I get out of bed. It's a curse. Yeah. But... I, you're not wrong, though. I mean, it's obviously layers to it, but the more you zoom out, there's always someone bigger uh, or wealthier than you money talks. Um, but it's like the Spider-Man meme. It's like Phil pointing at Rory, you're a pawn, you're a pawn. And then like Monaghan pointing at Greg Norman, you're a pawn. They're like, everyone's pawn. And like the Saudis are kind of laughing at the top. Exactly. Um, but I think what just stings about for the pga so much in all of this is that when i talk about the holier than thou point it's like they had this aura of superiority like rory again not necessarily his fault but rory jay monahan people around like brandel shambly like the talking heads for the pga anyone who left for money was like again scorned and like seen like oh the like if anyone leaves for live, they should be punished when they come back or like, or we shouldn't let them back. It's like former friends and colleagues and stuff. And like, they took this huge stance of like whole, like foot in the ground where it's like, we're better than you because we're not greedy or whatever it might be. Like that was like the, the persona they came off with. And then I think they were doing all that. They were so hard nosed with it because I, at least it, to me, it, it seemed like them and the public were expecting, all right, the live to fold. And then like Phil, Brooks, Bryson, DJ, all those guys to come back hat in hand and say like, "Hey, can we qualify for these tournaments again?" Like, how yeah. do we get into back into the players? Yes, we all thought back. they were winning. We right. really did. We thought the tour was winning, and that you know, no one's watching the CW. It was a running yeah. joke, and yeah, I guess it's, that doesn't matter when you have a trillion dollars to put behind it. The live was it, the live was a punchline, rightfully so. It was a joke of a league, but yes. the PGA kept pouncing on it, and Rory kept like taking jabs throughout the past year. Like even when no one was really provoking him, he just kept taking the jabs, and like sh like all these people were getting on their high horses because they thought they were winning, and they thought they were right through this kind of like smug, even hypocritical lens because they're back, you know, greedy fake nonprofit organization. The PGA again, PGA is way more is morally superior to than the Saudis. I'm not saying not, but like they draw these arbitrary lines in the sand, and then say like you guys are selfish and greedy for going for this money like generational changing money and then all of a sudden like we the whole reason they were confident enough to do that is because they thought that these guys would come crawling back richer yes but like hey we need a spot on the tour again like please let us back in like they all came off with that like air of confidence and in fact it went the other way you know and so quickly so abruptly overnight that it's like whoa it's a shock, like, at least to us outside looking in, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You spent this whole time ragging on the Saudis, ragging on these guys for taking the money, ragging on the live tour, and now you're merging back with them and you're crawling to them. Now, again, it's not a win for the live. Like, the live itself entity is going to fold. Like, who knows what happens to Greg Norman? He might go missing, you know, on a flight to Fiji. You know, I give the Saudis them might take him out back. Give him a hundred million dollars and yeah. all of Antarctica, and I don't want to see him ever. Again. Right? Yeah, he's, he's like again. They're annoying. Like a lot of what they were doing. Like I'm not defending them by any means, but it, what frustrates me is like the PGA and the fans of the PGA, the people so vocal and anti-live and pro-PGA, they were so fervently backing this like this like uh, cultural superiority. Like they were. Oh, like I'm better for backing the PGA and the PGA is better for taking a stand against these guys and all of that. And it flips so quickly. It's like, well, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, well, where do you stand now? How are you going to do the mental gymnastics to spin this? You know? And that's why I was just like, I was always in the camp of 
the live itself is kind is a joke. We can chuckle about it, the CW jokes, the three round, all of that. But I heard at nauseum, like people on the PGA tour being like, "Well, I don't know how these guys can play when they're used to playing only three rounds, you know, not really televised with no fans, and it's only, you know, they're not playing a full seventy-two holes of golf, and you know, it's not the highest competition, and they're wearing shorts, and it looks like, you know, they look so relaxed out there. It's like they're not going to be able to compete at the highest level at the majors. Well, guess what? Phil Mickelson at fifty-two, who's the head of all, like, who's at the center of all this, the face of all this, like." Oh, like, you know, all this evil for all the players and all of that. He came in second at the Masters at 52. And guess what? Brooks wins again at the next one. And DJ did pretty well. And all these other guys finished pretty. Patrick Reed was top five at the Masters. Three of the top five at the Masters were Brooks, Patrick Reed, and, and, and Phil. And then again at this. So it's like, I get from like a strict golfing thing. You could be like, yeah, logically, it kind of makes sense if they'd be rusty coming back to the majors. But these guys are also professional golfers who are amazing at what they do and have always been good at these courses or in these majors. It's like they still have it in their system. And it's like, like, who are you to be like, these guys are worse at golf because they took the money and like all this stuff. And like, they just were like, people were so smug on their high horse. Like they're not going to compete at the majors. And then those same people, when they competed, it's like, wow, look how like, they kind of like try to avoid it. They're like, oh, look how hard these guys compete or whatever. Like, what a surprise. It's like, not really, dude. Like, you're the one who thought that because you wanted to think it that way. You wanted it. Like, they just wanted their core because they disagreed with their decision that they're now like worse at golf and not going to win another major and like whatever. It's like because their priorities didn't line up with yours. I just, I hated that like smug inferiority or superiority complex they had. And like, I, I mean, I was rooting for the PGA to win. Obviously, I'm not rooting for the live, but there was like a sick part of me that's like, damn, you guys got pie in your face. Fuck you. Like, because <laughs> you back so hard at a faulty organization. The PGA yeah. is dog shit. Like the entity, not the players or, or the tournaments or the golf itself, but the, the entity, the organization itself is absolute horseshit hogwash. And you guys blindly followed all of it because it was like anti-Saudi or whatever that. Like, oh, these guys are so greedy. It's like, yeah, some guys want to take more money. Like they, they took more money and played less golf. They, they took more money to do less of their job. Like, that sounds great to me. I would do that. It's like, just because it's a sport doesn't mean they have to treat it like a fun fucking thing all the time. They had less travel. They had more time to spend with their families. Like, these guys have the same life, like, they not the same lives or standards, but these guys are people, too, with families and other things they wanted. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it, it was just so ridiculous to me that it's like professional athletes, like, everyone has to be like, they have to want it so much, just the purity of the game. It's like, dude, they did it for, they did it because they love the game and they're really good at it, but they also made millions and now they can make more millions. Like, who are we to say no to that? And I did like Rory's comments of like Rory had some really good, like relatable comments, like, and he gets it with the people. And I really do like him for this. Like over the year he was, um, he was like, uh, you know, I have all this money already. And like, he wasn't bragging. He was like, I have a house already with this amount of rooms. Like if I get 10 extra million or a hundred extra million, I'm going to still spend my time in the same four rooms or whatever like that. Like basically saying his day to day isn't going to change. And I appreciate that. That's great. Awesome. Some people might not look at it the same way. And that's, I think, fine. So I just, like, I get it was from a business point of view, like, comp competitor versus competitor, like, trying to take down your upstart rival. But it's like, let's have some perspective here. It's like, you know, don't get on your high horse because then this happens and it's like, well, what do we have to do? All the backpedaling that has to go on. So in a little bit of a sick way, it was kind of satisfying almost for, like, these people to be like, oh, shit. Like, what do we do now? So I just had to go on that little ramble there because I think that sums up my feelings of like, I'm not happy as this is all unfolded and the Saudis being involved, but there's a part of me that's like, fuck all of you that were like so smug about all of this.
What the learning? Because I wasn't critical about the live guys going. I was like, okay, I'm sad I won't see them every Sunday uh, at like the Arnold Palmer and stuff, and I'm sad it's going that way. But I also like don't blame them. I just right, wish they were yeah. more honest and like the growing like the live players. Their bullshit of like. Again, I get it. It's like you have to do the company speak. It's again, if you're at an, a, a big company and you have to be like, you you say the Lottie da stuff. You're, you know the company men that you work with and like the empty suits that kind of move their way up the corporate ladder because they just say what the superiors want them to say. I get like a lot of these live players weren't comfortable just being yeah I went for the money. You know they weren't comfortable being that honest or maybe they weren't told to do that. But it's like it is bullshit. DJ was. Yeah, DJ was a few of them were honest, and I love that's why I love DJ. But like, we hate it when politicians do it. It's like they're fi- they're serving you shit on a plate and calling it steak. It's like, dude, yeah. just be honest with me. It's it's shit, and just tell me it's shit. So it's like, just be honest with me. When you go to the live for all that money, you're not doing it to grow the game. You're doing it from you're getting more money to do less of your job. Fine, I can live with that. So that part annoyed me with the live players. That being said, just like the PG, okay, you, oh, you got it, but you get it. But I, that's what I wanted to get out. <laughs> I, I get that you're that a huge Saudi. Sense? You're a huge Saudi guy, yeah. Right, that's it. how everyone's gonna it. take from this. But yeah, it, does that make sense? Kind of where I'm getting at, just like sitting it, watching it, these two sides throw punches at each other. It's like, what are you guys doing? It does. Uh, we don't need to spend really any time on on my like geopolitical thoughts but i when you were talking like i was honestly it, it i have a, a limited understanding uh of just like the whole like east versus west and like you know how different parts of the world are and like your whole thing around high horse high horse high horse like that is part of like why people in the middle east and so many muslim people like are like like there's just a bit of a cultural disconnect and, yeah. and, and we are this like whatever i like I, we shouldn't get into it i'm gonna sound like a fool very quickly but i there you were hitting on some like big really like like tectonic plate kind of themes yeah. honestly um i mean a lot of what i what we were just discussing about the golf the golf is just a microcosm for the bigger as you said geopolitical or bigger like global relations thing just on a golf level it was the yeah. pga fanboys versus like the live players or whatever on like a bigger scale it's out it's you know the middle east versus western hemisphere like ideology like i i get that all um well, we're not me, prepared for that <laughs> certainly not we, we could get a couple experts on to yeah. talk circles around us let me push back a little bit though sure um looking at the crop of players that took the money and went to live and looking at the crop of players that stayed like who'd you rather be associated with like it, it it does feel and this is bullshit like i get it, if you're harold varner you probably want a bigger house I, I bet you have a dope life but like you you aren't quite in rory's position and i get wanting to go get the money we all have our number i, I think this is probably the part of the podcast where i ask you what your number is to uh to go live in saudi arabia and, and never worry about money for the rest of your life um like i get it we all do but uh, brooks kind of fucking sucks like dj's i like dj but almost because he doesn't care if i like him that's like the reason i like him um yeah. And he's pretty, I don't know, he's almost like the ultimate, like, yeah, I'll be a hired gun. Like, I, I hit it long and love my wife and cocaine. Like, let's, let's and party. He might fuck your girlfriend, too, with, <laughs> yeah. with his wife. She might be the reason it happens, honestly. Yeah. Uh, like, I just, the guys that left, I mean, it's not exactly the crew you want to be associated with, right? So, sure, because... For- <laughs> You're a Saudi guy. I yeah, love it. well... Well, here's the thing. One, I I come from a, I got into golf later, so I like my issue. Part of my issue with like golf, all not golf, golf culture all these years is like the people you knew that played it were like hardos about it, 
and super into it and it was clicky and it was like rich you know like just super wealthy people in a community and like country club snobbery um so i've always kind of been again there's etiquette and rules i get all that and i'm all for you've actually you've been you've been banging on the trash can for as long as i've known you just saying golf but louder that's all you wanted (laughs) yeah Jack, this is my whole image right here. It's me and Phil at the top of this. You and Phil um, at a drunk conversation at Charleston, and yeah. the rest was history. I, but I love golf, and I love like the players associated and, and whatnot, but there is an aspect of golf culture that's really annoying and archaic and outdated, um, along with the PGA organization itself. So I, I kind of like when there's like some personality in the players and this and that, and like I've gone back and forth on Brooks, like when he was back on when before when he was on the tour. I loved him at first. I was like, whoa, this guy's like a sporty – like multi-sport or athlete football basketball player like jock who happened to be really good at golf he's like he comes out and says he doesn't mind what he you know he doesn't filter what he says he's like i don't care for holes four through 12 i come alive on the last six he's like a big game player he only cares about majors he was being like brutally honest about it a total gamer loved all of that about it then i thought he almost like jumped the shark a little bit where he's like almost too defined on it. it's like all right do we get it you're like you love other sports, like you're you're cooler than these guys, like the golf nerds and the the golf squids that have been playing since four and have never played a team sport. I get it. Like you're the cool guy in the room, but like we don't need to hear it all the time. Um, that being said, I think I've I found myself rooting for him in this last major and like coming back around on him because I, I, I did missed too, him. Actually. I missed him not yeah. having him. And I think like a lot of the years when he was on, I was I was rooting for other guys like DJ and Ricky and whoever like I, he was never like my top guy i was rooting for so if he's not your favorite guy out there and then you hear some of his comments and you see him keep winning majors you're kind of maybe get annoyed by him um but overall i found myself to really like him um and i i think like you need personalities like that like the bryson thing was way overdone and overblown um but i do like brooks i i do like some of the personality he brings even though if it's like a little bit too much sometimes he's a guy i want to get beers with dj's a guy i want to get beers with uh, did you bro. see that private jet they were on like that that was a bl- like looked like a blast of time i guess my point like phil is i'm like, with you on dj brooks yeah. brooks would have you wanting to blow your brains out i guarantee it yeah i mean i mean maybe but I, I like him as a villain on the course yeah uh, and i think he's really starting to fill that role well i loved back in the day i remember being pumped when all the patrick reed spieth drama was going on around yeah. i don't know if it was president's cup or riders cup yeah. uh, rider cup i was like I need them in the last group on a, on Sunday right. at Augusta. Like, <clears throat> give me villains in golf. Brooks is great for that. Yeah, um, I, I guess. But like, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on, yeah. on him being a good hang. Uh, that's fair. Okay. I yeah. I mean, I'll think about it more. But I think I would love. love I mean, did you see him at the Panthers game? I'd love to have a night in the box with him and DJ. Yeah, I, I want to know what else is in that box. Oh well, yeah, Jesus. True. Call your guy. Um, <laughs> but the like the, I guess my thing with. I know it's like even Reed versus Spieth. It's just like it's just two like golf lifers, you know. That yeah. It's just like it's kind of nerd versus nerd a little bit. No matter how much they want to dress up like Jordan Spieth is this cool guy, he's still in like he's still just kind of like a golf nerd, and that's totally okay. He's but electric like- to watch, though. I don't know. Like he makes me feel things. I'm I'm admittedly a little overly influenced by yeah. by no laying up on this, but like it's true as well. I remember like leaving Beach Weekend when we were in fucking college to go yeah. watch spieth uh, on the back nine at augusta so his his and his like the short game saves he has like the huge putts or like those magnificent like wedge shots or chip shots like out of you know miraculous spots it's really cool to watch i've just never been i he's never been like a guy i root for so while it's cool to watch i don't get that same feeling because he's never been like my top dog to pull for if that you're, you're a big you're a big sporty spice guy on the golf course you want yeah. a little 
little, little jock. You know? I, I didn't realize we were uh, such different kind of golf fans. This, well, I this like golf. Yeah, this is going to be. Yeah, I think for these next couple of opens, this is we finally have some disagreement here. I, I just I get to the point where I think some of the guys on live. I mean, again, some of them are plain vanilla boring, but. It, like, I don't know. They bring a, di- a diff- like a different personality that changes it up a little bit. Like even Phil, like he's. He feels like a you know a sleazy salesman, and you know I couldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. That being said, I still can't help but like him. And like even after all <laughs> the wrong that. is done, and I'm yeah. I, you know what I'm I'm tired of hiding from it or or not admit like scared to admit it. like I I still like Phil, and I think I always will. Like I don't know if like, there's a soul I, on Long Island that doesn't like Phil. Yeah, he, he we love him out here at Bethpage and uh, and Shinnecock. Um, but he. He's just like I I know what he is like I get it I get it he kind of is like a shady guy and stuff but he he just still endearing to me and like I'm not trying to defend I'm not saying that you gotta like him or defend my like for him but I'm not and I'm not saying he's right with any of this live stuff um I, I just think when you were talking about like who'd you rather hang with I mean I think I'd rather play golf with the PGA guys but I'd rather hang with some of those live guys like I don't I think it's a more fun cruise. Cam Smith, All like, right. you know what the, I mean? This is, this is an episode for later this summer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do some sort of like draft of, of yeah. your uh, guys your, you want to get a beer with and the your, your late tour. night crew. Yeah. I love well, that actually. But anyway, we got an off topic there a little yeah, bit. I have, I have a question for you actually. Yeah. If you don't mind yeah, me jumping yeah. in. So getting back to Phil and kind of how the, this whole thing started, <sighs> professional golf is weird. And it's not the first time there's, there's been players upset with how things are done, thinking, you know, hey, it's this group of us 30 putting asses in seats. Let's go do our own thing. But I'm a huge fucking sports fan. Like, it's a problem. I, I need other hobbies. Uh, I'm a huge golf fan. But, like, let's be real. It's the majors and everything else. And despite all that, I, like, I watch more live sports than any 30-year-old should. But, like, it's still, like, fringe am I going to watch an average PGA tour event? Like obviously if it's close and there's a big name in it on Sunday, but like it's, it's close to my line of like, Oh, I got some people that want to hang out. I'm, I'm not going to watch golf this weekend. Um, like it's, it's really close to that line of like, am I tuning in or not? And I feel like I'm like appointment television. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like much closer to the end of the spectrum that should be like obsessed with golf and like one of their core fans. And I'm just talking about the PGA tour specifically, none of the majors. Yeah. And so this idea that you can like take all the best golf talent, not divide it in two, but you know, take away a third of like the top talent or a quarter of it, whatever, and still have even one great product, never mind two. Like there's just like it's just barely interesting enough to begin with. It's it's all this sort of like made up stakes and and not made up, but like relatively new history. Like I don't really care about who wins jack's tournament unless it's like a legendary player having an awesome moment um jack's also just kind of the worst but that's a different story um he's a back walking bag of bones at this point <laughs> holy shit i guess I, when i saw him up there holy smokes jack. i also love the phrase bag of bones yeah um but Rattling yeah bag of bones. <laughs> him him and barbara just a couple of bags of bones yeah. um but part of Phil's whole deal in like, hey, we want to like go create a rival tour to ultimately better the PGA tour. Like that, that was part of what he said to Alan Shipnook when he thought he was off the record, but wasn't was like, I'm doing this for the betterment of the game. I want to create a better 
long-term solution. And I think he genuinely believes that. So you go start another tour and then like, let's be real, Phil or that whole side of things was correct in the sense that like, yeah, when someone else is handing out way more money and the tour is on its last legs for a moment there. Yeah. The, the, the purse has got bigger. All of a sudden, you know, some things did improve and, and this tour you're coming back to is probably going to take better care of the players or not. Probably it will. But you just kind of bought out your only competitor. You're all under one roof now. And so what is the incentive for the PGA Tour to actually improve the product? I, I guess if it's a private business, you know, that's incentive in itself because it, it wants to turn a profit. But I, I almost wonder if all that really just happened is everyone got a lot richer off of blood money and nothing's going to feel all that different in two years. Um which well, is just a funny end because Phil's like, it's all for, for X, Y, Z. It's like, no, it's just to make more money, right? And I think he might say at the end of the day, yeah, th that's kind of what it was about. Yeah, I, I think uh, to, to maybe offer a, a different side of it, I, I do agree. A lot of it's just like, all right, all, the rich got richer here. Like these players got more money, like great for them. But I, I will say I saw something that um, – uh, the PGA Tour did the elevated events this year, bigger prize, but like they really pumped up more than just like it wasn't just like majors and then run of the mill tournaments. They really propped up certain tournaments, like the again, the elevated events, the smaller fields with higher quality. I like um, that too. And TV viewership was up across the board. They were making more money on, you know, with the eyeballs on the screen. I think the Netflix, you know, that drive to survive, but for golf, whatever it's called like shows a different side of these guys and as much as i'm talking about some of these like golf nerds in old ways i think like this younger generation of players that all of them have more personality that's partially social media that's partially the um some the of access them. some of them not all of them but you, you just Come need on, enough. cam young give us yeah. something bro yeah true uh go deeks um but i think it's already changed but i think Okay, so we talk, say money talks like, yeah, the Saudis are backing a lot of the money, but the PGA is going to be like, whoa, these elevator events worked well for A, money in our pockets with the TV deals, but B, for like more kids getting into the sport and this and that. Like, I think it's becoming a, especially in COVID too, like more people started, more people started playing golf than ever during COVID because it was the only thing you could do, kind of like go out and play isolated. Uh, the golf YouTube channels that have gone up with like Good Good and all those guys, it, there's a huge young youth movement into the sport and again you see it with baseball but you saw it with golf where it's like if the sport feels too old school or too archaic like you're not going to get the young people into it and i know they're trying to get like a team aspect like a Ryder cup style team aspect like the live is doing it with the team events they haven't perfected it yet i don't know if they're if it is even possible in golf you know for it to be like a cool model but the aspect that they're increasing the competition levels giving more access to younger cooler players getting really ingratiated with social media. I think that's all lending it to becoming like appointment television every Sunday where it, again, I think it's going to take a few years to evolve like that. But a lot of the years you didn't really care unless it was like tiger or some, or Phil in like the final Sunday. Cause it was like a bunch of random white guys that were 40 years old. And you didn't care too much about them. You know, it's shifted since then where there's a lot of guys you're going to tune in for on Like, for example, if you're a Sunday, are you tuning in if DJ's on? I am. Brooks, yes. Like in the hunt, I mean, Brooks, yeah. Rory, Spieth, Jay, like there's a lot. There's now 15 guys you tune in for. And then I think like with the elevated events, just like more meeting added to this. Like I just think that there's no reason to stop 
moving in that direction just because the competitor is gone. And I think, you know, I hope you're right. Yeah. Or for the betterment of the golf, I do think it's moving in the right direction. We'll continue to. And I think there will be cool, like there'll be more match play events, which are just really cool head to head. Like that's what we love about sports head to head. It's rather than a golfer against a course, it's a golfer directly against another one. And you'll watch like shot for shot. Like the match play event they do is really cool. I know they're getting rid of it, but I think now they're reassessing, like we're doing things wrong and we're going to change it. And if they don't, then it's like, well, what the fuck? Like you haven't learned your lesson, like shame on you. I think players are going to be so mad with Monaghan on the PGA tour and like so frustrated with how all this went down. They're going to be like demand changes again, supposed to be player run that I think these young guys, I think have a good, like Max Homo is a guy I love, absolutely love. And he, and he's got great personality. He's a guy I'd get a beer with. He's at the top of the list. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we found some common ground. Yeah. I absolutely love Homa. He's one of my favorites. I saw him win at the farmers at Tory Pines. Homosexual. I was going to say, watch yourself. You can't be a homosexual and be a Saudi guy. You're going to, you're going to run into some issues. Well, I, I, but the thing is like Homa is a guy that he took the stance I'd want, like I appreciated the most was like, obviously I'm loyal to the PGA tour, but he also didn't like rag on the other guys. Like he kind of just stood, like just kind of stood off to the side. I was like, whatever. And then, yeah. and then, it, and then the news breaks and he kind of cracks a joke online. Like I like that. I, again, not everyone's like that. I get it, but that's a guy I really appreciate. So like, I'm all for you staying on the PGA tour. It's more about being hypercritical at others. Like if you want to prop up the PGA tour and such fine. But to then like bash other like your former colleagues for leaving your company, it's like, come on, man! Like there's there's a le- there's etiquette I think to have to it. I don't know, and I'm not saying the live players didn't do it back. Don't get me wrong. But it I, I just like, yeah. I want you to be careful. I mean, you're, you're Saudi overlords. If they hear you're a homosexual, they might be coming for oh, your yeah. head check. There's I'm worried about your safety over there. That's all right. Um, well, um, and to to wrap yeah. this up on a bit of a question because I ultimately yeah we don't know exactly how this is gonna. Play that, out. Before you go, does that make yeah, sense yeah. what I was saying? Like, this is becoming more appointment TV. I think it's just moving that so, way. So, well, that's... Oh, is that your question? I hope Sorry. you're right. Yeah, because... Like, golf was so stagnant for, like, 25, 30, 35 years, right? Like, the reason this all happened is because they were asleep at the wheel almost and, and had a good thing. And we're like, hey, no one's telling us to stop. And, and then the second there's another competitor, uh, I mean... A competitor that's very well backed financially like they were like fuck we're screwed all right we're scrambling uh and now that competitor's gone again so it's it's really to me a question of how new and different is this new structure and is it gonna lead like who is driving this innovation because if it's jay monahan the new ceo like what the hell we just watched 10 years of that that he didn't do shit like it, it needs to be like normally if you have two competitors the customer ends up winning uh we no longer have two competitors and i'm worried the customer is going to lose that's kind of what it comes down to but i I do totally agree we have another 10 guys hopefully back on tour once this live joke is over yeah that that are appointment television like like there's far more like what am i saying it's a better product no doubt i just hope it doesn't feel similar to how it did last year or like this year five years from now like there's still more we can do and well yeah, I was two things on that. One, I agree. Like competition sometimes makes it better for the the viewer, but having the two products here was definitely in the short term or this year was worse for the viewer. True. Yes, yeah. the PGA upped their game because of it, and the PGA was better. But it still sucked for us that we didn't have Brooks and DJ and Phil and all these guys playing in consistent tournaments with them. Like no one watched the live, and I didn't get to see those guys for almost a year. Like Cam Smith's awesome. Like Joaquin Neiman was was playing really well. Like I don't know. It's just like that sucks. So I think for like the short period, the viewer was suffering more so than not, even if the numbers were up on the PGA Tour. 
That's um, a good point. It's a really second good point. thing. I think. So I think the the once they get dust settles and everyone gets back on the same tour or, or there's qualifying events for the live guys to get back, whatever it is, there'll be cool storylines with that. It's like DJ can get back into, you know, to, you know, back in the Arnold Palmer. If he gets, if he wins, like they're going to, they're talking ideas about like different cool, like events for live guys to earn their way back in um, through qualification methods, which I think could be kind of cool. Um, they do have to figure out, because, like, they honestly have to almost be, like, an IOU apology, like, pay Rory and Rahm and those guys just to be happy. Like, I don't know if it's, like, I saw something like basketball. Joe House said, like, basketball contracts where it's, like, five years, $75 million. You know, you wear this sponsorship or whatever, but, like, you just, you get a contract over a certain amount of time. Like, they have to, like, sorry, man. Like, now that they have the Saudi money, they actually have to pay these guys almost, like, reparations in contract. Yeah. I, I heard there's, happy. yeah, there's there's a, a lot of different ways that could go. Yeah. Um, um, curious to see how that goes because maybe um, it's just all the money you got from the saudis all right that's sort of cut off you're now part of this new entity you don't get any more but you can't win maybe like uh fedex cup money or pip money for the next three years and that money goes way up so the current guys get paid out but i don't think that helps like number 85 in the world i also think it's dangerous to punt it like really financially punish those live guys for going and taking like a free market decision like i think i think the better route yeah. is to is to if you have the money and the funds is just to reward the guys that stayed on the pga to at least level the playing field of how much money the live guys got you know to even that out a little bit i think the more you punish the live guys the worse the more toxic it is long term and i you know what i mean i think it's better to to do two pauses rather than you know wrong to cancel out that positive yeah that, that's probably right how much um, fucking money is that though <laughs> like, it's the saudis are all funding it now though so, i like, know but like yeah. if we're talking 400 for ram and rory like all of a sudden we're talking you know yeah. 10 billion dollars you're not gonna get that money for them i don't think but right if you give them like 80 mil over a few years it's at least like all right they have guaranteed salaries or contracts more so that that live guys don't get the live guys already kind of got their money in that sense at least to close the gap a little bit because again look the live guys they took a lot of shit for going and they took the risk to go, you know, like it was for what you want to say, like, yes, it's easy to follow money, but it was also like a difficult decision for them yeah. to do like it credit and to the them right for, like, business back decision. in the right for not back in the right horse and live, but back in the right decision where they got their money and get to eat it too. Cause like for what you want to say about Phil and all those guys, like right now they're sitting pretty, they got their money and now they get to come back to PJ tour, but they, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you can't punish them for that. Um, that being said, I think, um, I forgot even where I was going with that, but uh, you you mentioned uh, what was your question again about that? I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> I think no, I was leaving it as more of like an open ended question. Of I'm really curious how much the PGA Tour product is going to change in the next five years, and oh, that's kind of like yeah. to me looking to the future. That that's that's sort of where I'm at. My, my, I guess my other point is that I think this was handled so poorly by Monahan and such, and like Rory and them are going to be so irate that like Rory, Rahm, and guys like that that stayed on the tour and are so good and have so much past like pull are going to be like this can't happen again. Like we are supposed to be player run now, we're actually going to be player run. Whether that's kicking out Monahan or whatever it might look like, they're going to have to come up with a system where it's like the players have more input in what goes into the format and this and that. And I think for twenty plus years the PGA rested its laurels on tiger you know because mm -hmm. i think for years you had like arnie and nicholas and whatever but golf was still kind of a niche sport in our culture then tiger comes along and opens up and golf becomes more popular than ever amongst different you know racial groups among different you know social groups you know m cult like money like money levels 
many people got engulfed, even if it wasn't playing just to watch, like, Tiger's in it on Sunday. He was such a magnet, like, a magnetic draw, because, like, even Phil, as big as he is, was still mostly big just in golf communities. Tiger was a social and cultural icon around the yeah. globe and in the country. So whenever was- Tiger was playing, golf didn't have to do, the PJ didn't have to do anything. It was just, like, Tiger's in it. That's all we have to promote. So Tiger never- was the original golf bullouter. Yeah, and then, like, you Rattle have all the him- energy. Exactly, and then you have him for... 15 20 years and then all it falls off quickly and harshly with the injuries and off the off the course stuff personal issues and then it's like all right well we can't really just rest or, like they try to wrestle ours on rory he doesn't have the same draw like speed like they don't have the same draw outside of golf and then it was just like then the players are kind of getting together and being like well we can make more money like we have all these good golf whatever like and it starts spewing and like the golf organization sat on its ass for so long as they just had tiger and it was just an old school sport as it is so i think it I think this has been so drastic and such a ridiculous whirlwind that the players are going to be like, we're not going to let it happen again. There'll be some kind of middle ground where it's going to be a more exciting events. And I think they do have a good pulse in what the pl- uh, the players want or fans want. They certainly have a better pulse than the PGA tour uh, oh, yeah. and its leadership. Uh, a, a final, final wrap up question. Now that we've gotten to the tiger portion of, of all this, uh, who has brought more money to professional golf tiger woods or Phil Mickelson? Okay wild that we can ask that question right now it's It's a really good question and some some pe bro out there let's let's get an answer to this i'm I'm curious i think phil directly brought more money to players and it will be it remains to be seen how much that affects like the tour moving forward with all the saudi money being poured into it and how global this pga tour becomes so it's like a kind of an unanswered question, but like Tiger for what he did for the game and, and whatnot, like has added so much sponsorship, like Nike and Wheaties and everything that like came into the game. But I think Wheaties Tiger, second off your tongue. I don't know why. Uh, you know, there was always like sport. <laughs> you're, you're the cover of Wheaties or whatever as an athlete. In yeah. Yeah. We sound um, old, don't we? Yeah. Um, but I, I think Tiger brought more to the, I don't know. It's a really good question, but I think Tiger just brought so much to like the sport of golf. And to himself, but like directly to the players, Phil is like just point blank brought more to like as very explicitly brought more money to players overnight. Yeah, but it's to, again to, bigger picture. I have no idea. It's a really good question. To evoke another like dated uh, sports forward American consumer brand, uh, Tiger brought more moxie for sure. There's like oh, yeah. just something about watching that guy play golf where. Uh, this is a stretch of an analogy, but like your mom sits down and watch Connor watches Connor McDavid. And it's like that guy's different. Yeah. Uh Tiger Tiger was like that on steroids for a sport yeah. that like no one really knew could could have that that level of personality. Yeah. And Tiger's um, his legacy is untouched. Like even Phil won't touch it, but yeah. Phil for, for right or wrong, very polarizing character. He does have a legacy that's like bigger than sports now. Much bigger than sports. I hope we get a bunch of pictures in the next 10 years of like Phil in, in Saudi Arabia wearing the fucking hat and shit. Like, really lean in, Phil. Dennis go go villain. <laughs> oh, God. You just don't lose your mind like that. So, um, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask, mo- switching gears, looking forward to next week, just real quick. U.S. Open's coming up. We'd be remiss not to mention it. Uh, I'm excited for the storyline. I mean, I'm just excited for the engagement of the players and see how they interact with each other. Yeah. And like, if Monahan's there, like, it, it will be just cool just to be a fly on the wall watching the non golf stuff. And like, the Monahan won't show language. his face. Too he much can. of a coward. No yeah, way. Yeah, he is, he is a coward. Um, but like I, I'm, I'm hoping for all these things said. I, I still I like Rory. I, I think he was 
left out to dry for this, but his credibility is definitely damaged. It's definitely one of those things where it's like he backed the wrong horse so badly, like not to his fault. But I really hope he does bounce back because like he sounds like a broken man right now. Um, and I'm hoping that he has a big showing. I think it would be hilarious if Phil has a big showing. Homa at his home course in L.A., Brooks, Brooks are going, you know, going for two majors in a row. I think there's an unbelievable amount of storylines, and I kind of want all of these guys to be in it at the end. Same, and it feels actually like I, I can't wait to see if Scotty Scheffler can putt. Like he, oh yeah, what he what he did two weeks ago. This is like nerdy golf stuff. He had, if I'm not mistaken, the best round of tee to green golf in like 25 years. They said um, it was tiger, it was, tiger level. Yeah, and like, but like beyond like 99 percent of tiger tournaments it was like wow. him and vj singh <laughs> in terms of like individual strokes gain individual tournament strokes gained t to green wow. and he putted it dead last at the memorial and finished two out of a playoff um maybe one out of a playoff so yeah, he was he's hitting it better than anybody and cannot putt really might be lost he's still the favorite um is he yeah wow. I'm, I'm seeing plus 750 right now Dude, your putter's that broken that's it's pretty I don't know how wild. rom's not the favorite for that then it feels crazy, but it also like Scotty Scheffler could have put like nine or tenth percentile last week and probably would have won. Like, like it, it, that, it's nuts. And I'm not one to be armchair golfer here, but for a guy who is like it's and again he's still so rock solid because he still is really close. But for a guy who is like very unflappable and pretty stoic and even keeled and has won so much at a young age, big moment doesn't like bother him or something and like he's just been so steady and consistent with his you know his winning streaks and dominance where did this come from like was he always a i don't think he ever was a notoriously bad putter and like where did like there's guys like dj who always like was held back by the putter at times but i thought scheffler was like a pretty solid putter and like just all around game was great i mean obviously the ball striking's elite but where did this come from like it, it's like it, it's been like two or three turns row and it's egregious like he's the worst he's the worst in the field yeah, and think about how crazy of a turn this is from episode two of Full Swing, where you have Brooks in the wilderness. I can't putt. I can't play. And then he does the really weird thing where he's like, oh, yeah, like who won the Masters last year? I can't even remember. Like, even though I think he played with him. Uh, and it was yeah, Scotty. And then, and then they show Scotty just walking down some like yuppie ass street in dallas with his wife drinking a coffee like not a care in the world like that guy's never gonna get the yips he, you know he's, he's right. the most easygoing guy ever he's just and, a golf through and through blood golf in his blood yeah. vanilla guy like he'll never he'll always be steady eddie and, and brooks looks like a version of brooks that i don't think any of us were broken. convinced was in there broken overthinking full-on like i've lost it and i want yeah. so hard want so bad to get it back i care about golf like whoa really dude i thought you were fucking shocked yeah, but right. it, it all switched in what 12 months 13 months like it's pretty nuts uh where where brooks is at right now sport of golf's undefeated with just it takes no prisoners it seems like but it, it really is like scotty just seemed like one of those unflappable guys like not that he was going to win every tournament but a guy that was just like i guess spieth was like that for a while too until he wasn't same with rory it's it's unbelievable how it happens but just so drastically, you know, he's been one of the best this season. He still is, but so drastic over the last three weeks mid-season for him just to be like, whoa, I can't even, like, I'm not even, like, bottom third. I'm the worst. Like, whoa, man, what happened? It, it's pretty insane. I don't know much about his, like, putting prowess yeah. coming up through the ranks. I do know he won fucking everywhere. Like, from age 10 on, he just, like, won everything in Texas, yeah. so... Clearly, he's been a good putter his whole life. Um, but I, I don't think it was like a strength of his game. It was just like, oh, he's putting it pretty good and he's hitting it 
better than anybody. Um, and, and Tron on, on NLU was like, what if 2022 was actually the outlier for Scotty? And he's yeah. just a below average putter like so many guys are. Like Hideki Matsuyama, he's been one of the 20 best players in the world for like 12 years now, maybe, maybe a little less. He's and, the biggest example of being held back by his putter, but still able to win, but he's really bad. Exactly. Yeah. Cannot putt. It's yeah. it's wild. So and everything else is elite. Yeah. Yeah. So so is his visor game too. Putting's hard, man. I, I don't know if it's mental for what, but like eh. even for a, a very amateur golf for like myself, it's I I'm as lost as can be, and like I can imagine these guys on these hard greens. Like you, when you're oh. off, you're just like you're. It's helpless. It probably is like a completely lost feeling. Yeah, and then trying to get it back while putting defensively just yeah. sounds like it get me home. Like it just gives me, yeah. gives me the chills just thinking about it. So, so you, one winner, gun Oof. to your head. Who you, who do you want to win the most at the U.S. Open? J.T. Poston. <laughs> of course, <laughs> your boy from the bachelor party. Yeah, two two days. Uh, got to know him. Awesome dude. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, an easy guy to root for out there. Um, would be incredible if you want. I'm I'm with you on Max though. I'm hopefully gonna be uh, be on site for for a day or two, um, just just a couple miles down the road. So, yeah, Max that, is number one for sure. I, the the live storylines aside, like the live PGA like whatever split aside, Max is I think the the easy pick for uh for wanting to win. Vez likable and like his hometown course. He has the club record there. Um, let's let's play a fun game actually guiltily i'm rooting for phil that like if he won <laughs> uh, it would be awesome I'm i sorry. mean there there's no more holy shit i need to watch all 18 on sunday and like clear my schedule than if phil's in it well here's like, a tiebreaker for phil aside from all the live garbage is he's missing the career glance Sam with the u.s open and he has like seven second place finishes at the u.s open very well known or at, least, or at least five, and maybe yeah, like he has a ton of second place majors and majors in general. But U.S. Open choked away a couple with his aggressive play, um, and has come so close so many times. But like if he just completed the career Grand Slam at 52, on top of everything else that's going on, I think that's one of the greatest. Whether you like it or not, it's one of the greatest sports stories ever. It would be absolutely, and to win two over the age of 50. Like, yeah, he's already by far the oldest to win a major. Yeah. Like fifty, who's fifty won the PGA? <laughs> I actually do every now and then think back to how insane it would have been if Tom Watson won the British that year. I think he was yeah. sixty three. Um, that I was I, older, I, I would have rooted harder for that. I didn't realize like the gravity of the situation. I remember watching it actually on that Sunday. I don't remember like rooting for Tom and realizing how big of a deal it was. I was my aunts and uncles on my mom's side are super into golf. Their father, my grandfather, was like crazy into it. Uh, and so they actually, they're the only reason I even remember that day, yeah. I think. They were locked in. Um, just like almost like moved to tears. Like, oh my, is he going to do it? Who did it win? Stuart Sink? Was that Stu, Big Stu's win? I think it was someone nondescript like that. I think like it that. was, it was like, yeah. Jesus, that's who we wasted it on? I think you're right. Shit, was it? I think it was Stu Sink at the Open. God. We'll, we'll we'll look at it. We'll we'll get a stat boy on that eventually. Yeah, yeah. But Gray, Gray's probably screaming through the microphone <laughs> right now. Yeah, appreciate you, Gray. Um, also, last point on a deep fellow deacon. I think like the biggest loser out of this, besides like Rory's reputation right now, is uh, um, I mean not reputation because Rory's still in a good spot. He's a good guy, but um, is uh, Willie Z our boy was turned offered a hundred mil when he was really hot last year to go to the was close to going, turned it down, and then had back surgery, unfortunately, he's out all year. So he could be collecting 100 mil 
not playing a, a hole of golf, just sitting on his ass rehabbing in Hawaii or wherever in Florida and collecting a hundred million dollars. And now he's still coming back to better PGA tour. It's like, a tough of break. all people who said no, like, yes, Rory turned out so much money. Rom turned out so much money. But Willie Z, who's out for the whole year with back surgery and his, like, major injury issues, man. And is young, too. Like, getting $100 yeah. million at 24, like, uh, there's so much uh, stress taken off your life at that point. If he was about to walk out the door, I'm just saying theoretically, he was about to walk out the door and Rory called him and was like, gave him a whole spiel and told him to stay, do you think he'd be mad at Rory? Or would you be mad at Rory? Or are you more just like, damn, he didn't know either? Yeah, mad's not the right word, but like, and I would assume Rory would do this. It, like, it requires like a man to man. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry. This is where I went wrong. This is the information I didn't have. Like, I fucked up. I got you. And then you buy him every dinner you're ever at together for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think well, Rory will have like an endear, like, he, he's seen as such a good guy in all this, even though I think like he does have to take a little bit of ownership for, all the comments and whatnot, but he really is still a good guy and all this. Like, I think people are going to rally so hard around him at the major at us open. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's like still a fan favorite, even though he's got his tail between his legs yeah. a little bit. Um, let's play a quick fun game. Totally stealing this from no laying up, but I, I kind of love yeah. it. Let's each pick three guys to not win the U S open. And they need to be say top 15 on the, this odds chart here. Um, so and let's say, up? One, two, uh, let's let's say DJ is the cutoff here. Yeah. Okay. So everybody yeah. above DJ. Um, I'm trying to think of some fun stakes. We'll, we'll figure that out later. But we, we should do this for every major. And uh, if if somebody gets gets burned, there's 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 some hell to pay. Three guys not to win. Three guys not to win. Who are you confident is not going to show up? I'll uh, I'll kick us off just with you know probably the most down the middle pick for this for the last like. Seven years. Cantley ain't winning. Shoffley ain't winning. And I'll say Cam Smith is not winning either. Cam, Cam Smith's not playing. Wow. I think Cam could step up. Um, I love Xander. I know he's like, you know, I, I don't know why I just like always liked his, his demeanor, like his all around golf game. I've just always rooted for him. He's a guy who I think should have a major, like Ricky, uh, all around, like Ricky in his prime, like all around game has been close, but just can't get over the finish line. So I kind of feel for him there um but i think you're right i think pretty confident he's not gonna like he was gonna be maybe one of my picks as much as it pains me because i do root for you him can double time. up too you, you can pick the same oh guy. i can now i'm gonna switch it up uh well I, let me see i'm definitely taking fee now unfortunately because <laughs> yeah for everything you said about xander times times five with fee now uh well actually he's, about it. I guess he's been I, winning this year yeah, yeah he has but me like i just out of all this you see tony fino coming out winning at la i don't know that seems crazy um Man, you, you had some good picks there. Um, I think Spieth, I would never do it. My heart couldn't handle it, but it doesn't you know, feel like he's about to go win one. I'm going to go, yeah, you know what, I'll do that. I'm going to take two that I, might be surprising. Um, but I, uh, Justin Thomas is not playing like Justin Thomas standards, and I I just think there are too many other good golfers that are going to attack the course that will beat him out. Like, he won the PGA last year, but it was kind of like a sleepy round. Like, he played really well, but, like, other people weren't really stepping up, and then Mito choked at the end. I'll take Thomas, and I'll take Spieth. I don't think Spieth's going to win. Right. Spieth, Thomas, and Finau. Or, yeah. I think mine are riskier than yours, because I think yours has more is backed by more history of these guys not winning majors, but I'll take those three. I feel good about it. There, there is some lingering uh, injury stuff with JT, too, where he's not 100%, yeah. and it's one of those, like, ah, am I going to 
punt the year and get surgery. Now nah, I can play through it, but but he's not yeah. quite right. I gotta say, in like these kind of games, Morikawa is always a guy that burns me. Like when I do like DraftKings or something, it's like a guy like eh, he's not putting well, he's not playing well, no way. And then he just shows up out of nowhere. And then like the time I do back him, it's like he compl- he misses the cut, and I'm like, damn. But I don't <laughs> yeah. pick him often. But the times, a lot of times when I'm I go against him, he finishes really high, even though his recent form isn't great. Because I was thinking about taking him there. I was like, nah, I, I feel like he could be sneaky. He's like kind of, it's weird, two years, not even two years ago, year and a half, it was like, Colin Morikawa, is he the third best player in the world? Um, yeah, he was. for He won two majors in in a year, right? Yeah, and it looked like robotic. I mean, I think it was, yeah, the PGA at the end of 2020, maybe, at Harding Park, and then um, the, uh, the British three, the next does he? year. He no, can, just, yeah. just the two. I think it was two within a calendar year, but yeah, not the same I mean, season. Year. Um, uh, it looks like he'd never miss hit an iron for the rest of his life, and now he's just kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, he's plus two thousand. Let's let's not cry for the guy. But his uh, putting has has been betrayed him in the past too. But his iron yeah. game is pretty elite. If his if it's not elite though, I don't know if the rest of his game is always on. You know, to, he he needs the iron game to carry him, kind of thing. And it, exactly, yeah, it's that good. But and you're gonna win a major in the week you putt well, kind of deal. Yeah. Kind of um, like Scotty. Yeah, interesting. I'm 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 as excited for this as I have been. Like this is level of like Tiger return to like a major mm-hmm. at full strength. Like at the Masters when he won and like or his first tournament back. It's like that level of excitement in terms of just off the field stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, hell yeah. I think that was a little longer than we expected to yeah, go on a golf. There's there's a lot to to get to with that. Um. Well, I guess. Party? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's do some super brief NBA Finals thoughts. Uh, we watched Game Three last night. Got Game Four coming up tomorrow. It's funny. There was a point last night. Game was tight-ish in the second quarter, and I was remembering the. Uh, it'll be the first of many dumbass things I say on this show, but um, I think I said, "Well, at least the Celtics would have had a chance against the Heat or against the the Nuggets." And for a moment, it was like, "Shit, man, the, game, the series is tied one-one." He he could pull this one out. Um, that was obviously before the, the third quarter, but the way all the dust settled with the Nuggets playing disciplined basketball and, and not giving up easy buckets and being locked in defensively, it feels like a massive task for, for the Heat to to overcome. Like, Yoga Jamuri, two-man, it's just incredibly efficient offense. We were talking before we hopped on that um, – like the the Celtics and the Bucks are are capable of struggling. They're capable of falling into to traps that you set for them. And uh, maybe the Nuggets did that just sort of effort wise in Game Two a little bit. Uh, cough, cough. Michael Porter, according to Michael Malone, but it's it just feels like you know it's the Nuggets here. I, I don't know really what else to say, but I hope I'm wrong because because like we said, if the Heat make this a series, it's it's a pretty incredible story. Brutal Michael Porter ricochet shot there, huh? I mean, Ooh. dog, he's been, what was he, one for seven last night? He was bad. He's been bad this series. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I, w- I will say I'm shocked that they won the game too because um, we didn't talk through that one. And for a couple of reasons, one, I think the Nuggets were up in the fourth and it was a classic or going into the fourth and then the Heat scored 41 or something like, and it's like, where does this come from? And I know the Nuggets don't have the greatest defense in the world, but they're pretty disciplined. They're athletic, um, you know, pretty well coached, and, and they're, I think, very balanced and loaded. Um, and they're long there. too. Yeah, Zach Lowe was saying this morning. Sure, they're not like vertically gifted, but it's a lot of big bodies who are yeah. who are playing. That can defense, move. Yeah. That can yeah. move. Um, 
I, I just it was like a classic Heat fourth quarter we saw with the Knicks and the Celtics and even the, especially the Bucks. The two games they came back on the Bucks when the Bucks were up thirteen. It's like all right, the Bucks are making it a series again. They're closing this out business as usual. And then the Heat came back, and it's like they I didn't think they would do that kind of game against the Nuggets, and they did in Denver too. Denver hadn't lost at home in the playoffs and was so dominant and was dominant all regular season at home. So I was like very shocked, especially when the Heat, the Nuggets. It wasn't like. If it was a game all game where like the Nuggets were just like disoriented and lazy and whatnot, or like it was just a crazy high scoring game where like the Heat got just kind of outshot them in like one of those random games, and they did in the fourth quarter, but it like the Nuggets fell into their traps on defense on on offense into the Heat's defensive traps, and then the Heat went off in the fourth quarter after not really shooting that well, and I was like, how is this happening again, especially in Denver? Because I thought, as you said, the 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 Celtics and the Bucks were teams that could like you know, could get stagnant on offense and repetitive and be one of, you know, and kind of be teams that fall into traps and go through slumps and are beatable in that way and beating themselves or playing the Heat's game. I didn't think the Nuggets were like that at all, and they kind of showed a little bit of that in the fourth quarter, so I was shocked that it happened, especially in Denver. That being said, I also I, I got back into the gambling again a little bit and, and bet pretty heavy on the Nuggets because I was like, they're going to – they're too good of a team to let the Heat steal two in a row, and, like, they're going to come back in a statement game, um, which they did. And yeah. they were in control most of the game. I know the the Heat threatened a couple times here or there. I I just think that the Nuggets are a too good, too talented, just pure talent, and then b like play too well, too consistently. Like they're just too good of a team, I think, to like fall into the Heat's trap for three more losses. So I really don't yeah. see this as a series too much. I could be wrong. I'd love to see a good series, um, but I I think the Nuggets are talent wise better than the Bucks and the. Celtics and well more well-rounded better coached and have the best player on the planet right now um on top of everything that makes the engine run so like barring injury and Jamal Murray we can't move on without mentioning him he's been unbelievable like Jokic again runs everything and I'm not trying to take anything away from him but Murray's almost stood out more to me with just how the shots he's hitting the shots he's creating he just had a triple double like he is as a much involved or like as much of you know running this team and much of the engine right now as Jokic it feels like again probably not true because Jokic doesn't isn't as flashy with it and Jokic hit some unbelievable shots last night contested in the paint but man I have been super impressed with Murray he's unbelievable like this was his he did it in the bubble and then he got hurt people kind of forgot about him and it's like hey I'm still here and I'm as good as you think if I'm actually I'm better than what you remember he is unbelievable yeah like, of course, does playing with Jokic allow him to kind of maximize his game in a way that other guys maybe can't? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's why he's, you know, right. easily going to be the second most valuable player on a, a championship team if, if they can pull it off. He hit some shots last night, dude. Like, late in the shot clock, heater up five in the second, and it's almost like, wow, is this, are, are we setting up for a tight right. fourth quarter? And every time, even like late in the shot clock, Jamal Murray fading away, money. Um, with that I, hand I, in his face. Yeah, yeah, he's been so good. I don't think we have time today. Unfortunately, I gotta gotta run and, and get yeah. some hoops in before the uh, before the sun goes down. But uh, I'd love to just kind of do a little list of, of the best guards in the league because he's climbing that list fast. Um, hell, I mean, you could even include guards and, and wing players in there because they're almost one and the same these days. Uh, I just I love watching that guy play. It's so smooth. It's so easy, and he's in total control. Um, Very much like Booker. Yeah. Totally. Slightly different. Like, it's weird. There's like a, 
Booker to me almost feels a tad more scientific is not the right word, but there's like a Kobe-ness to him where it's like very, it feels like he's super like specific with his spots and his, his emotions. Yeah. And, and like not premeditated, but like very crisp. Well, Murray, I almost feel like is, is like a smoother, slower, but like he'll just get you shifted momentum wise. Playing jazz out there. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> honestly they're both playing beautiful jazz one one is just yeah really freelancing a little more i don't know um, yeah I, I love both of those guys though. murray's a little smaller so i think he, he moves a little freer out there in terms of what you're talking about um yeah. well booker's maybe a little bit more not robotics the right word by any means but more methodical with it um and in- intentional with his movements but i mean murray's gotta be I don't want to be prisoner of the moment type thing but in terms of that combo one two guards he's got to be top five right now right yeah, I mean, we said before there. Like to me, it's I'd take him over Lillard, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but we we both love Shea Gilgis Alexander, but like I don't think he's quite at that level yet. Uh, is he in that same? Not is not he same more level? Is, is he, or and I don't even know if I like. Con- Maybe it's just because I I don't watch him play enough, but I almost don't even consider him in the same cat. Like I know he plays like point guard stuff, but he he reminds me like I feel like he's in like a Kawhi type category or something different, like long range. I don't know. Like I don't. Do you? When I'm talking like uh, slashers, like scoring first, like is he a score first, true score first guard? I know he averaged. Like I mean, he averaged something. thirty a game this yeah. year. Yeah, he he also handled the ball a lot. To me, he okay. was kind of like this modern two guard who's kind of playing point, but it's okay. just because he's the most dangerous guy. Yeah, for whatever um, reason, I don't like associate him with like Dames, the Hardens, the Bookers, the guys like that. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, but that's because I I don't watch him play enough, but. Um, it was also his first year on on this level, so I think there's... I would also take. I mean, building a franchise around just age wise, I'd rather have Shea than Lillard right now. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Um, it's easy to forget I mean, about Steph's Lillard. Obviously, up there. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to forget about Lillard. Um, it's just the def- defensive deficiency from the playoffs. You need such a perfect, not perfect, but like a really good team around him or unique team around him to com- complement his like defensive deficiencies. It feels like, but I would. Yeah. Is he is Booker or is he firmly above Lillard? I don't know if that's like a without discussion. I mean, we're we're in our overreacting yeah. shit, you know. I, like to me, he is, but you know, it's it's the summer of Jokic. Is he over Doncic? Oh man, probably not. I think that's a bridge no. too far. Unless you want to go full blown like I like winners kind of deal. Um, yeah, it's just he's still the number two on their team. As good as yeah. he is, it's hard to say that when like Lillard or these other guys are carrying their team. But I would say the clear top two, and however you want, is Steph and Doncic, Luca, in whatever way you want. And then I think that next tier is of in any order you want is Booker, Murray, Lillard, Shea. And I don't know if I'm missing anyone there. We probably are. Um, Correct. And it could what even be farther before behind if you want, but yeah. I was super impressed with just like how well uh, he played this year. Same. Yeah. I mean, he's like fourth in the MVP voting, I think. Um, w- one other angle, and I, I really got to go <laughs> like three minutes, yeah, yeah. but uh, if you're the Nuggets and you already have Jokic and you're adding a second player to your team, do you take Luka or Jamal? Like, I think that's part of the brilliance is. Luca, sure, if I'm starting a franchise, I'll take him over Jamal Murray. But Jamal Murray, yeah, of course, it's easy to say because we've been watching it, but it just feels like the fit is so good. Like, you can't. I'm still taking Luca. Yeah. Even I mean, though it's the mismatch the is. Yeah. But the... 
Yeah, the defense would be would be a problem. The defense would be a problem for sure. But is like Murray that good? On, is he like a defensive stopper? No. No, no, no. I, I also just like how you, if you're running the pick and roll and you switch, like you just end up with a big guy on Jamal and bye. Like, yeah. Toast. I, I mean, Luca. I know, like they like to have the ball in his hands, but you don't think he'd like get creative with, uh, with um, what's his face, Jokic? Like those two. I'm sure. He, no, Jokic is the the perfect guy who could play with anybody. Yeah. Like, I almost wouldn't be worried about a ball dominant guy with him. But uh, I don't know. A fun hypothetical. They're they're yeah. both both top ten guys to me right now. So, are you worried that the Heat have any chance of winning this series, or, or not worried? But are you think it's going to be a series, or? Dude, I weirdly, I mean, obviously game four is, is vital, but if they win game four and, and all of a sudden there's, you know, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was saying this this morning, like we've seen it time and time again, yeah. game five, home team. In theory, you're in control. You got home court, but guess what? You're home, you got home court. You're the better team. Pressure's on you. And in the NBA finals, like dudes always say that game, one of the finals feels so different than the Eastern Conference finals that it's just going to feel like something you've never been in before. Um, I think Jokic can handle it just because his personality seems to be pretty well set up for this kind of thing. But like Michael Porter, Bruce Brown, is is Reggie Jackson getting like game five minutes? Like, eh. the thing I don't is, know. It's a basketball two, game. Yeah, there's still two up, one up, two one up, two one in the series without getting anything much outside of Murray and Jokic. Uh, so you would think uh, you're right? Maybe they're the moments too big for him. But you think, and maybe the Heat just know how to neutralize them because they're not transcendental. Like. Murray and Jokic are, but you'd think at some point that you're going to get something from one of those guys. And once you do, because yeah. the other gonna two are going to produce. Yeah. You're going to get a Michael Porter game. Yeah. Uh, like, don't Gordon. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Gordon's been great. Yeah. Um, Just solid, even if he's not scoring a ton. Yeah. I, I just, of course, the, the Nuggets should be heavily favored. But if the Heat can like semi-steal one, I don't know. I haven't given up on the Heat quite yet. They, yeah. they showed me something in game two. Great. I'm not giving up on it, but I, I'd be shocked. I, I'm still pretty confident in the nuggets you know winning it somewhat comfortably i mean again one last thing the heat it's bam down low and no one else like the nuggets have size and and rangy athletes bam is doing some heavy lifting down there and more like power to him but he's not the offensive guy to take 20 shots a game and they're needing him to because the nuggets are forcing him to he went 7 to 21 last night had like 18 rebounds but Jokic will get nearly 20 rebounds but gordon could chip in with rebounds border like these you, you need Bam and Butler to do so much heavy lifting, and they're just not as good as Murray and, and Jokic on top of the role players, honestly, being better on the Nuggets. I just think the talent gap's too big, and the Nuggets are too disciplined to, to fall into the same traps, I think. But in, in the Heat, don't have the – like, they need good Tyler Zeller minutes, which might be <laughs> – that's that's the kiss of death right there. Like, Yeah. They're <laughs> relying so. on Al, on um, Kevin Love like this, the Celtics relied on Al Horford, if not more, and it's like, well – that's not going to work. Yeah, no, especially sorry. if it's him jacking threes. Like yeah. he might, he might hit one in the first, and then his legs are a little tired. Well, his threes were missing bad last night. I that was. I think I've seen him go like three for thirty in the playoffs. Oh, but like when they're they're missing, they're like planking. They're yeah. like barely catching rim. It's like Whoa. he looks like me the first time I played five on five as like the least yeah. comfortable human being in the world. Uh oh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for the rest of the series. I. Cannot wait for golf. Um, we should talk NHL fine, St- Stanley Cup a little bit at some point. I know we, we've kind of ignored all of that. I'd love to touch yeah. on it maybe towards the end of the series and just kind of wrap up the playoffs maybe in one segment um, to give people a little bit of the hockey fix and also maybe just put in perspective the Knights, their dominant run as an expansion franchise and kind of compare it to some of the other ones um, in our lifetime of like how quickly 
how impressive this has been that they've gotten so good so quickly and so consistently um, and kind of compared to some other teams that have, have seen some quick success. Um, I yeah. think it's a, kind of a cool little history lesson there. Agreed. Um, yeah, I wonder if Derek Carr walks by SportsCenter, sees the Knights, and just like shakes his head. David David Carr? David Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. No. I, yeah, I totally agreed. And uh, I mean, even the Thrashers in hockey, it's like, well, where was that for us 20 years ago? I forgot about the Thrashers, yeah. dude. Jesus. I, everyone forgot about the Thrashers. <laughs> Ilya Kovachuk, um, baby. Yeah, exactly. Danny Heatley with one N. 50 and 07, Danny Heatley. Wow. 50 goals in 07. Um, I mean, buddies had that jersey. Yeah. Uh, Knightley loves him. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we're going to do some, um, some NFL stuff in the coming weeks. And I definitely can't wait to do some heading into the NBA draft, um, re- like kind of previews of the. Uh, off-season moves needed for some of the playoff teams and up-and-coming teams and uh yeah i'm i can't believe how big this golf game or this golf week's gonna be but uh i'm, I'm here for it a lot of a lot of non uh u.s open conversation going on i think on on tuesday wednesday coming up yeah but, yeah thanks for being here guys appreciate it looking forward to doing the next one and uh until next time I'm a little bit of a